People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowlin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BowlinBranch.com. That's Bowlin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of Mutual. Hi, Em. I understand this may be considered kind of niche, and I know we have larger action items to cover, like a Kendall Jenner, Bad Bunny, MGK, Megan Fox, all of that. But I swear to you, in this moment, the thing I am the most invested in is Chris Appleton and Lucas Gage seemingly confirming their relationship via an Instagram hard launch. As soon as I saw that Instagram post, as soon as I saw the Mary Phillips IG official Red Heart comment, I said to myself, oh, we are definitely starting the podcast with this story. Definitely. And I know there are probably a couple different categories of people listening to this. The first, you are locked in in the way that we are. You are desperately looking for someone to match your excitement level over something that could be considered niche. Category B, maybe you understand the players, but don't really understand why it's a thing. And C, you have no idea who we're talking about. For anyone that falls into category C, this is Chris Appleton, most famously known as Kim Kardashian's hairstylist, but also hairstylist to stars like J-Lo, Dua Lipa, and many others. And then Lucas Gage, an actor probably most well-known for White Lotus Season 1, You, and Euphoria. And these two, again, have seemingly confirmed their relationship via two different Instagram posts from both of them. Chris Appleton's is a three slider with the caption, Joy Ride, location the St. Regis Punta Mita. Here's why I love this story so much. It's because it's exactly the niche pocket of pop culture that we're always looking for. And I feel like this story is what separates the boys from the men. Yes, yes. Anybody can notice that something's weird with (laughs) Megan Fox at MGK. They could have noticed it since before a single Instagram post was even put up. Anybody, anybody with two eyes and half a brain can care about Kendall Jenner and Bad Bunny. Like, a duh. But do you know how fucking niche you have to be to not only care about Chris Appleton and Lucas Gage, but to have been following it beforehand to wait to see if they confirm that relationship? I'm sorry. The, the, that's the big leagues. That's who I'm trying to fuck with here. That's exactly what I'm saying. You don't just know about the hard launch. You knew about what was leading up to the hard launch and you were waiting for this moment to come. And that, my friend, is the category that we fall into. And I know, I know in the deepest part of my soul that other people listening feel that same way. I also want to tell you, we're maybe about three weeks away from Lucas Gage making an appearance in the background of Kim's Insta story, potentially from the Skims office or something like that. Because 
One thing we know about Chris Appleton, he is always with Kim. So it would make sense that eventually Lucas is going to also be around Kim, not necessarily in professional settings. So maybe I got ahead of myself with the Skims office, but, you know, at, at some sort of an event. We are now, we are watching Lucas Gage slowly but surely enter the Kardashian world. You got ahead of yourself with the Skims comment. Meanwhile, I was sitting over here imagining a Chris Appleton, Lucas Gage boyfriend Skims collection shoot. Here's the thing with Chris Appleton, and I say this with zero disrespect to Lucas Gage because I think he is highly talented and very much on his way to being known by the masses. Chris is just objectively one of the most beautiful people I have ever seen in my entire life. And so I would be interested in whoever he comes out confirmed dating, but it being Lucas Gage, it just enhances it. The whole thing is just Perfect. Like, I cannot wait to be on this ride. And also, I feel like we're so invested in Chris Appleton because of his looks. And also, like, clearly he is just a god with a blow dryer. But we've also seemingly never seen him publicly in a relationship before. And so this is a whole new ballgame for us. Yes, and I also feel up until he kind of started posting his kids, his personal life was a little bit of a mystery to us. We really were just so focused on him as Kim's right hand, the man behind JLo's Super Bowl blowout, that I was a little bit more removed from his personal life, similar, by the way, to Mario. I don't feel that I know that much about what goes on there. So this feels, you're right, additionally exciting because it's like a peek into a world that we were pretty unfamiliar with. If Mario hard launches a relationship, I will absolutely just lose my mind with excitement. And to your point about Mary Phillips' IG official comment, it's not just that. You scroll around, there are clearly people that were on the ends of this and are excited that they're now putting it out, in addition to a source apparently confirming it to just Jared. So I'm fully prepared to say this is a thing. I am so here for it. And to those of you that are in it in the way that we are, I just want you to know that you feel seen. And to those of you that aren't, I feel optimistic that you will be invested. Oh, A hundred percent they will be. Should we get into the Megan Fox Machine Gun Kelly thing? Although we're really not going into this week with much more clarity than we had last week. Forget about much more clarity. I am more confused now than I was then. Just to recap the events of last week for a second, and then we'll get into what transpired most recently. As we know, Megan had posted that Instagram, a selfie of her, a video of letters burning. The caption was, you can taste the dishonesty, it's all over your breath, which is a lyric from Beyonce's Pray You Catch Me, which is a song about Jay-Z cheating. She had also unfollowed MGK and only followed Harry Styles, Timothy Chalamet, and Eminem. As we know, Eminem had a feud with MGK. Someone commented on that post saying he probably got with Sophie. Sophie is MGK's guitarist. And Megan responded, maybe I got with Sophie. She then deleted her Instagram. There were all these rumors. And we left off last week being like, this feels a little bit too contrived to actually be a breakup, but also what is going on? Okay. So first, Sophie, who is MGK's guitarist, responds via her management team saying, Sophie Lloyd is a professional, accomplished musician who's been needlessly dragged into the media based off of meritless accusations made by social media. Any suggestion that she has ever acted in an unprofessional manner or stepped out of her relationship are untrue. It's disrespectful to her as a female artist and poor journalism and social commentary to be reporting anything else. Okay, then we're hit with three headlines. The first on Valentine's Day from Daily Mail. Exclusive, Megan Fox and fiancé MGK look visibly upset leaving marriage counseling office as they're pictured for the first time since cheating rumors and speculation of split. By the way, as a total side note, one thing about Daily Mail, they're going to 
deliver a headline in just like the least tasteful way, you know? I thought you were going to say one thing about Daily Mail. They are going to give you the longest headline you have ever seen in your whole entire life. A few days later, we get the headline from People. Megan Fox and MGK are not giving up on their relationship, but she is, quote, still upset. Said from a source, Megan is still upset, but is not giving up on their relationship. He feels the same way. They're getting professional help because they want things to work out. Okay. The next day from page six, Megan Fox found suspicious texts and DMs on MGK's phone. And it says, a source tells us Megan Fox found DMs and text messages on her fiance MGK's phone that led her to, quote, believe he has been having an affair. Our source tells us they're broken up and Megan is seeing where they stand. She wants to see what they can salvage. The insider added that MGK, quote, really wants to make up. So two days after those headlines, Megan rejoins Instagram. As we know, when we were recording our episode last week, she had deactivated her Instagram. And she now only has up one post that says, there's been no third-party interference in this relationship of any kind. That includes, but is not limited to, actual humans, DMs, AI bots, or succubus demons. While I do hate to rob you of running random baseless news stories that would have been much more accurately written by ChatGBT, you need to let this story die and leave all these innocent people alone now. Which, like, no. I understand how frustrating it must be to have to deal with all this publicly and to have this mounting speculation over something that may not even be the case. At the same time, if you as an A-list celebrity are going to post an Instagram with videos of letters burning, a caption that clearly alludes to infidelity, you unfollow your fiance and then only start following Timothy Chalamet, Harry Styles, and his notable enemy, Eminem, what do you think people are going to do? Like, I I really understand frustration when it comes from a place of, we just want to maintain privacy and we don't understand why all these rumors are flying. You created this entire spectacle yourself. Forget captioning a picture as an A-list celebrity, the pray you catch me quote. If I was scrolling Instagram and I saw any regular person maybe share that from Spotify to their story, I would immediately be like, oh shit, they just got cheated on. Like everybody knows that if you even mention lemonade in the context of a relationship like you are alluding to cheating like that is just that is pop culture 101 and I think it was Ryan Bailey who posted this story and he was like my least favorite brand of pop culture or my least favorite brand of celebrity reactions is when a celebrity posts something causes you to have a reaction causes you to speculate based on the information they're giving you and then gets mad at you for doing so Right. And that's the thing that I'm just a little bit confused by. I get how invasive the idea of paparazzi photos outside of your therapy session is. Like that I'm 0% on board with. But nobody would have been speculating anything if it wasn't for this very dramatized and honestly what to me felt pretty contrived Instagram post. So the, the then reaction of almost disbelief that this is occurring just feels so disingenuous since it's only occurring based on something that you put out into the world. I mean, and then let's talk about the Sophie reply, where somebody comments on the photo and says, I bet he got with Sophie. And she comments, maybe I got with Sophie. And then obviously everyone's then running with that narrative because the only comment that she has responded to on this entire post that is alleging cheating is about Sophie. And so of course, because of her reply, people are then going to run with that narrative. And she then comments when she comes back to Instagram on Sophie's post basically blaming Hollywood for running with that narrative. 
Yeah, let me actually read that comment again, just to recap. Sophie is MGK's guitarist, and she was thrown into this whole mix by speculation that, as Julie said, was then furthered by Megan's reply. So Megan comments on her Instagram on the 19th and says, how me making a joke in order to absolve this girl of a hurtful accusation somehow turned into a confirmation of it, I will never understand. Why are people so, so dumb? Sophie, you are insanely talented. Welcome to Hollywood, your first unwarranted PR disaster. You have now been baptized by the flames of fame. It only gets worse from here, unfortunately. Just ignore it as much as you can. Middle finger up. Which again, generally speaking, I feel for her. As we always say, fame is one of the most terrifying things in the world that robs you of all of your privacy. And I can imagine how overwhelming all of this may be. At the same time, Megan Fox has been in the game for a very long time now. So she has to know based on the way that her relationships and her life has been covered, when she responds to a comment like that, of course, this is what the internet is going to run with. But all to say, like, if we just want to get back to the root of it, we really still don't know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, the reports are now that they are in couples therapy, that they are trying to make it work. There was the reports of DMs that she had found or texts that she had found that maybe alleged cheating or hinted at cheating, which I guess she's now saying that there's no third party interference. And the fact that she has seemingly taken off her engagement ring. Here's my thing, like... (laughs) I know this sounds bad, like, believe me, but the thing that I want to say to her is like, are are you sure you want to fix this? Like, wouldn't it be easier to just take the out? It just seems so intense to me. I know. We were having that conversation last week just because there's like a real difference between passion and then passion that turns to toxicity. And I do not know enough about their relationship to make the distinction between the two. But like, you do just got to wonder because- And I do not want to rehab the whole conversation we had last week. But if you listen last week, we were basically having this whole debate of like, is there any world in which this is true? And the conclusion we came to is that in a hypothetical world that this was true and really her posting that was a reaction, it had to have been something that happened overnight. Because as we discussed last week, there were photos of them together on that Saturday night. And then Sunday night is when she posts this rather shocking Instagram, unfollows him, all of that. So if there even is an element of this that is true and this whole thing isn't fake, it goes to show you that that post really was very reactionary, which again is the part that I'm so surprised by because I just didn't think she would necessarily want to handle it in that way. I don't know. that It's really it's really quite bizarre. Like, God bless you. Do whatever works for you. It's just the whole way it's gone down is so bizarre. You know, it's the one thing that we'll probably never get the answer to in all of this, but like is clearly the biggest mystery of of anything that's taken place. Mm. Why the Harry Styles, Timothy Chalamet follow? I don't know, but I can't hate that move. I can't hate the move. I just feel like, how would you <laughs> arrive there? <laughs> okay, so honestly... The way that I've thought about it is partially maybe just for the shock factor, right? Like what a headline is that? Megan Fox unfollows MGK, follows Eminem, Harry Styles, Timothy Chalamet. Like that is amazing headline bait. So I could understand from that perspective. But also given the fact that we know Eminem and MGK have beef, I wonder, like, is there some side thing going on with Timothy and Harry that neither of them are even remotely aware of, but Megan just happens to know that for some reason MGK feels a way about them? Like, 
that is 99% not the case, but how much more fun is it to imagine a world in which like MGK is secretly yet something that he's only voiced to Megan Fox, deeply jealous of Timothy Chalamet. So in her fit of rage, she decides to follow him as like a personal fuck you that only he knows is a fuck you. That is the kind of content I'm here for. You know what's funny is that prior to his divorce, John Mulaney had a whole stand-up about how his wife was really or his ex-wife now, was obsessed with Timothy Chalamet and it was like intimidating to him. And and he goes on this whole thing about how his wife is like in love with Timothy Chalamet and one night she says to him like, you know, Timothy Chalamet is six foot. And he's like obsessing over it. He's like, well, I'm six three. And she's like, I was kidding, relax. Like that's what I imagine is going on with MGK. <laughs> and also like John Mulaney is finding so much camaraderie in Megan Fox following Timothy Chalamet. And he's sitting at home like, Ooh, I knew I had something to worry about with him. <laughs> Imagine John Mulaney texting Megan Fox, feeling like overwhelming validation by his suspicions. If I'm Michael B. Jordan, I'm like, why is Megan Fox not following me on Instagram? I was about to say, give me a give on follow. That, that'll get a guy shaking in his boots. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Give a Channing Tatum follow and it's all fucking over. Wait, please don't talk to me about that until I see Magic Mike. You guys, Julie saw it last week without me and this week me, her, and Isabel are going together. And obviously we'll talk about it on Monday, but Julie turned to me today and she was like, I just want you to know you're not going to be the same after that first scene. No, I really don't think you will be. And I think Salma Hayek and Channing Tatum have unbelievable chemistry. And I can't wait to talk to you about it after because so much of the discussion we've been having recently with rom-coms is like bring back extreme chemistry. And there's just something about Channing Tatum and Salma Hayek and they have it. But also like the way I feel about Channing Tatum being maybe the hottest person ever, I feel like Channing Tatum was like peak hot right when we were like, not peak hot, peak top of mind when we were like in middle school and high school. And at that age, you kind of had to come up with somebody like a little bit more niche to think was hot for some weird reason. I'm not sure. So no one said Channing Tatum, but like it's fucking Channing Tatum. Like even at this age, we try to be like niche about who we think the hottest celebrity is. Like, no, I'm telling you, M, from the bottom of my heart, it is Channing Tatum. Were you, here's my question. When you watched, were you immediately transported to how you felt back in the step-up days? Or was it a new mm -hmm. era of attraction to Channing Tatum? It was it was the same thing resurfaced or new? It, it was the exact same feeling. I was just old enough to like really put like a, a name to it. Right, which is definitely a feeling I too will be having after watching. But my question to you and to you guys is, you remember a couple months ago we were talking about Chris Evans? I don't remember the exact context of the conversation, but we were basically saying, even though he is one of the most famous actors in Hollywood, regarded as one of the most attractive male celebrities, there's something about him, maybe it's his Boston roots, maybe it's about how he's a pretty casual guy who prioritizes comfort, that makes you feel this delusional sense of like, I actually think I could pull him. Like, even though he is so A-list, he feels strangely attainable. I kind of feel that way about Channing Tatum. Do you know what I mean or do you think I'm crazy? Okay. I kind of know what you mean, but it's almost for different reasons. Like, with Chris Evans and, – and here's the thing. This is why it's tricky with Chris Evans is because you can't. But he gives you this illusion of like, I don't even know that I'm hot. Like, I didn't even know I was famous. Like, oh my God, I had no idea until you guys told me. Like, 
that's that's the vibe that Chris Evans gives off. So that's why you think you could pull him is because it's almost like you're letting him in on a secret. With Channing Tatum, it's like he knows how hot he is. Like he is very, very aware of it. But he comes across as somebody that's like, you know what? I am this hot and I have no problem proving it to you at every turn. So if the two of us are in a room together alone, I'm going to make it the best night of your life. Oh, you think it's that energy. It's so interesting because that's a totally different way of arriving at the same conclusion. And I think you're kind of right. Like Chatty Tatum's got a reputation to uphold, even if that reputation is only one based on his fictional characters in movies. Well, don't forget though that like that dancing is real. Like, you know what I mean? I that's know. that's what it is about. Okay, this is what it is about Magic Mike. I never saw the first two. And there was always a piece of me that never saw it because I was just like uninterested. Like I was like, I'm not gonna like get off to the idea of just like male strippers. Like that's not what does it for me. But this I happened to see because I just wanted to go to the movies. And I felt like this one had the Selma Hayek thing, which made it more sexual between the two of them rather than just like sexual because he's dancing. And it really Mm -hmm. gave you a glimpse, if this is the case, what he could be like in the bedroom. And it's like, I left and I was like, I have to have a conversation with Zoe Kravitz immediately to know like reality versus what you see online. Because if those two are merged, she's the luckiest girl on planet Earth. Well, I really do think that there is something to be said, speaking from the perspective of like a heterosexual woman, of watching a guy who's just like objectively hot doing his thing. That's one thing. But then watching him do that thing with a female love interest and like really being able to put yourself in that position, I do think it changes the viewing experience and not necessarily your attraction level, but like how far your attraction can go. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, because that's the thing, like, most, I would say most women are not just, like, watching somebody solo and able to get off to that on on its own. But the idea then of it being, like, translating into sex from the dance, like, I don't know. It's just, like, once you see it, you're going to fully get it. And I'm so excited to watch it again and watch it with you because the entire time I was watching it, I was like, you are going to fucking lose it. Like you are going to be like squealing. I'm not even kidding. Squealing in the movie theater. And I know I'm overhyping the movie. Like it's not really about the movie. Like the plot wise, it's like, you know, it's cute. It's a rom-com. I think that I had fully forgotten Channing Tatum in terms of like the way that he moves. When I think of him now, I think of like 21 and 22 Jump Street. Like I think of him as almost a comedy actor. So to be reminded of what it was like to watch Step Up for the first time or to be reminded what it was like to see She's the Man and see him on your screen for the first time. Like that's how I felt. Like I felt like a middle school girl watching this movie. Yeah, don't don't talk to me about She's the Man. That was one of my my awakenings for sure. Wow, I'm feeling like I just got a hit of nostalgia. Like what are other examples of awakenings like that that we had at that age with specific actors? I would say that nobody did it for me more than Chad Michael Murray. Like when I think about Chad Michael Murray licking his fingers before throwing a football in a Cinderella story, like I I know one second ago I just said like I, I can't really get off to the idea of somebody like solo doing something. I could get off to the idea of Austin A. <laughs> licking his finger in a Cinderella story. Do you want to know what mine is? What? And I'm so surprised that you didn't say this. Honestly, if I had to narrow it down to my top three, it's John Stamos as Uncle Jesse. No. Okay. 
Okay, so like this is this is really where we're getting into the crux of it. Like everybody has a different role. Like everybody has a different sexual awakening. But like when you saw John Stamos's Uncle Jesse, you're like, oh, this is the first time that I realized that like I could be into like a dad. Right. Like it's not even that I see your Chad Michael Murray and raise you a John Stamos. It's that I respect each for their individual roles. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, so let's get into the Bad Bunny and Kendall thing. I was just thinking in my head, like, the idea of, like, nightclubs and bringing that back is what we are so desperately missing. Like, that L.A. scene, that Hollywood scene, that it's not just that the celebrity felt untouchable, it's that their life felt untouchable. And so, like, seeing them walk out of these Hollywood clubs, like... To me as a kid, that was the craziest thing I could ever think of. And so the idea then of like either having a club where like you just cannot bring your phone in or it's these member only clubs where there are no pictures, but you still get kind of reports. That to me is like something that could really save Hollywood. And out of that, we most recently got the Kendall Jenner bad bunny making out at a quote private Hollywood club story emerging. And to me, that's like a real celebrity story. Like I Give me a one-time hookup that, you know, 
then has a couple of dates afterwards. And we only found out about it because somebody was inside in this private scene. Like, yes, that's what I want. Right. It's like bringing you back to the high nightclub days that you saw when you were scrolling through People magazine, reading it in the grocery aisle with your mom, correct? Yes. And like the hills and and just all of it. Like it just felt so unworldly to me that you could have two A-list celebrities making out at a party, like as if it was a high school party or a college party. Like to me, that felt like that felt impossible to me. And like when I heard the story about Kendall Jenner and Bad Bunny, I was like, I almost for a second was like, I hope they're not dating. I literally hope that this was just a one-time makeout because nothing would be a better story to me than them making out one time at a club. Right. Well, let's get into the series of events that is even leading us to this conversation starting on February 17th. So there was a blind item that was posted on Dumois that Dumois then reveals on her podcast, Do You. The blind item was, the single famous model sister was seen playing tonsil hockey with Bad Bunny at a private LA club last night. And so on her podcast, Dumois says, I'm revealing that it was Kendall Jenner and Bad Bunny. I have witnesses on the scene who saw her in the club. Okay. The next day, this is February 18th, they go to dinner with Haley and Justin. So they're seen eating together at Wally's in Beverly Hills. Justin, Haley, and Kendall leave from one exit and Bad Bunny leaves through a different exit. Two days later on February 20th, a report from People, Kendall Jenner and Bad Bunny are, quote, hanging out together and, quote, having fun, says Source. Quote, Kendall recently started hanging out with him. They were introduced by friends. He moved to LA a few weeks ago and bought a house. She likes him and is having fun. He's different from guys that she's dated in the past. He's very charming. I mean, is Kendall and Bad Bunny one that I saw coming? Absolutely not. Do I think it's a fun little whirlwind romance that, you know, could maybe be a four-week fling? Absolutely. Let's give Kendall Jenner her due here because I have to say – Things have been a little dry in the world of Kardashian. We had this whole conversation recently about how it is such an exciting time because we have Kim, Chloe, Kylie, and Kendall all single, and we're all kind of sitting around waiting for that big story to break. And Kendall gives us a fucking major one, dating the biggest stars in the world right now. Like, I'm sorry, credit where credit is due. I didn't think it was going to be Kendall breaking the internet, but you know what? She did the damn thing. You know what? That is true. Sometimes you really got to hand it to Kendall. And it's not a sentence we say often, but when we say it, we say it with enthusiasm. We say that with our chest. So Mother's Day is coming up. And I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. 
Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Okay, so as we all know, Rihanna was the cover star for the March issue of British Vogue, along with ASAP and their baby boy. It was titled Rihanna Reborn, How a Megastar Became a Mother, and the interview was done by Giles Hattersley. We're not going to get into the whole thing. I'm sure many of you read it. We'll touch on a few individual sections, but I just got to read the intro because I think it paints such a picture. Okay. One of the many surprising elements of interviewing Rihanna is that when she's finally ready to meet, she sends her driver across LA to pick me up. Divine, I think, so classy. Though I should perhaps mention that when the tank-sized Cadillac arrives, its luxurious blacked-out interior, thrillingly haunted by the vestiges of her sweet, earthy perfume, it is, now let me check my text to make sure I'm getting this right, yes, that's it, 3.26 a.m. Classic Riri. It takes a certain sort of chutzpah, a certain level of shimmering enormity to establish your own time zone. Yet the nine-time Grammy Award-winning, Super Bowl-slaying beauty billionaire and current Oscar nominee has done just that. As a charming driver called Myron waves hello and puts us out to the eerily empty streets of West Hollywood, gliding towards Beverly Hills in the dead of night, it is with an ease that suggests this is all very normal and time really is just a construct. In the run-up to a re-rendezvous, minutes become hours, days become nights, Monday becomes Thursday, and soon reality loosens its grip and you sigh and think, oh well. Welcome to Planet Rihanna. I'm sorry, that is a killer opening paragraph. I obviously have chills everywhere. They got into a lot in this interview. It is definitely worth a read if you haven't yet. They talked about the Super Bowl, how she's been approached to do it countless times before, and this was really the first one that felt right. They talked about new music, which we'll get into ASAP, all of it. But I want to get into this one section where they're talking about actually doing the Vogue photo shoot and how the initial photos of her son first were released. Because if you guys remember back in December, seemingly out of nowhere, Hollywood Unlocked had the exclusive of the first photos of Rihanna and ASAP's baby. And then a little bit after that, she posted a TikTok of him that blew up. You know, she wasn't on TikTok at all. And all of a sudden she makes her entrance to TikTok with this video of her son. And so in the interview, they're talking about that situation and how a few weeks back, you know, they're in Malibu taking the the photo shoot. And let me get into what happened. It says, but then a mood shift, a security guard's eyes narrowed. What was that? A telltale reflection down the beach, the shadow of a lens. Rihanna has been in the game too long to miss the signs and clocked on immediately. A paparazzi taking photos of her child. Quote, it's a thing you never want to happen, she says, recalling the moment. She gets the interest in him is sky high and hopes this piece is a way to introduce him on the family's terms. 
quote, we get to decide as parents when and how we do that. End of story. She's not wild on the paparazzi, of course, but is battle-worn and pragmatic. Quote, throw me to the wolves, do what you want with me, but he doesn't have a say in any of this. We've been protecting him thus far, and you don't have any consent to be posting photos or selling photos of my child, a minor. Get the hell out of here with that. Watching it unfold in real time was sad and illuminating. Quote, I just went straight into protective mode, remembers Rihanna. Quote, like there wasn't even time for rage. Rocky and me drove up to the trailer area, and we sat in the car, chatting and working out how we move forward. As parents, it just feels icky, like a violation. But they knew the clock was ticking. Quote, as we were speaking, we knew they were making calls and deals. They couldn't bear the idea of the first public glimpse of their son being photos they hadn't consented to, sold to the highest bidder. So she sent a couple of cute, candid snaps from her camera roll to a friendly blogger. She's talking about Jason Lee there of Hollywood Unlocked. And then, in a typically boss move, she joined TikTok, posting an adorable video of her son gurgling away in his car that promptly racked up some 20 million views. Which keep in mind, back in December when these photos were initially released by Hollywood Unlocked and Rihanna had posted the TikTok, we knew that a version of the story had happened. Jason Lee, who is the head of Hollywood Unlocked, had tweeted about it, explained that they were doing a photo shoot. We didn't know it was Vogue, but we understood kind of Rihanna's rush to get these photos out and specifically the outlets that she wanted to do it with. But to hear the ins and outs of really what was going on and like they saw the paparazzi, her and ASAP went to the car to figure it out. It just adds a, you know, far more vast context to a story that we kind of knew about. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very rare. I feel like that you get the true behind the scenes moments and the reaction from the celebrity themselves about an incredibly huge viral pop culture moment. And I mean, I don't mean to reduce the, the photos of her son being released without her permission as a pop culture moment, but it was, it was a very big deal at the time. And it was something that even as Rihanna was releasing the photos through Hollywood Unlocked and, you know, posting this TikTok of her son on her own terms, we were all sitting behind the scenes being like, you know, I know that there was a paparazzi at this photo shoot, but I really wonder the decision-making that went into doing it in this way. And now she is literally breaking it down for you, telling you, we saw a paparazzi, we immediately went into panic mode, we immediately went into problem-solving mode, and me and Rocky sat in a trailer and we figured out exactly what our course of action was going to be, and then we followed through with it. Like, you never get that. You never get that sort of understanding of what it was truly like for somebody in a moment where they had to figure something out immediately. Yeah, but especially you don't get it with Rihanna. You know what I mean? Like the only way that we were going to get the ins and outs of that is when she's sitting down for the interview with British Vogue that corresponds with these photos. Like that's the only way she's going to tell you the story. And so that's why I think it felt so additionally interesting because it was, yes, like a, a larger than life occurrence. You're talking about Rihanna covering the March issue of British Vogue with ASAP rocking her baby. But it was a very like human experience of really just a parent protecting their child. Also, because I think this was kind of most people's biggest takeaway from the article, they talked about music. And it says, with Dawn still an hour away, now seems as good time as any to face the moment all interviewers must face. The moment you asked Rihanna about her plans to release a new album. And I, her last, came out in 2016. And in the years since, she's fluctuated between blind optimism and borderline anger in the face of incessant fan and media questioning. But I've never seen her so up for it. You can ask, she says, when I broach the subject. Rihanna never stopped recording. The past years are littered with songs she's fallen in and out of love with. She says that listening back to an unreleased song is, quote, almost like trying to dress like you used to dress. It's like, you know, I would never wear this again. Your taste changes, your vibe changes. But all being well, I venture a new album this year. 
I want it to be this year, she says, at this stage very much unaware she's pregnant again. Like, honestly, it'd be ridiculous if it's not this year, but I just want to have fun. I just want to make music and make videos. She misses the visuals almost more than the music. Quote, and I need the right background music with the visuals. I can't just go shoot a video to me talking, she says, laughing once again. <laughs> what I want to say to her is like, by the way, you could. Like, I want the music. Right. I'm not telling you not to put it out. But if you put out a, a, a visual of you just, you know, existing and talking and dancing, like I'm fucking no one's more on board for that than I am. By the way, also, we have watched the work music video, like not only more times that one can count, but probably more times than one should even be allowed to. So like we welcome new content, you know? My hope is that following the Super Bowl, going off of that quote that she said in this article about like, you know, when you listen back to a song that you recorded and it feels like something that you would never wear again and you're like, oh, that's not my vibe anymore. My hope is that because everyone kind of re-fell in love with Rihanna music that we had maybe forgotten about, that she has this understanding of like, oh, I'm going to put it out and it's going to be dope no matter what. Like they've never heard this. If they love my old music this much that is factually years and years old, then of course they're going to love the new stuff that's only old to me that they have never fucking heard before. It's new to us. Yeah. I would say that with Rihanna new music, it's inherently a less critical like listening experience because you're just so excited and so grateful to even have it. And she really has that in her corner in terms of like any fear she may have around the reception. We're just so happy it exists. So that's how I feel and that's how you feel. Although I do understand the hesitation there coming off of Anti, which I think is one of not just one of the best albums that she's put out. I think it's one of the best albums, period. On top of that, we have now had years and years of begging her for another album to the point where it's become uh, like a joke in and of itself of the fact that we are never going to get this album. People begging her, asking her where it is. And so the anticipation leading up to whatever this next album is, is like twofold. And so I can understand the hesitation and being like, oh my God, I am never going to be able to make these people happy because they have now had what, seven years of building up something in their head to be something that like, maybe I won't ever be able to deliver on. Like I obviously as a Rihanna fan who like trusts Rihanna deeply knows that what she gives us will satisfy us in an unspeakable way. But I understand the hesitation of being like, what if, what if their anticipation and what if their expectations can just never be met? Right. Which like must be an absolutely terrifying feeling because no matter how much of an icon you're regarded as, you're still a person who is like sensitive to the opinions of people, specifically something like music, which is so vulnerable. Like you're really putting a piece of your heart out there for public consumption. I guess it's just hard for me to put myself in the mindset of someone that like would not receive it with anything but pure enthusiasm and gratitude. You know, like that is how passionately I feel about Rihanna and pretty much anything she puts out. But of course, like she's a human being, you know, after this many years, no matter who you are, like it's anxiety provoking, of course. Right. And and you get to a certain stage in your career when you're somebody like Rihanna, where you are just a legend in your own right. And when you're releasing new music, especially a full album, it's not just music that you're putting out. It's not just content that you've created. Like it's a piece of your legacy. And so I can understand, like I said, the the hesitation there, the the nervousness surrounding that because it, it, it takes on a life of its own when you get to the level of fame that she's gotten to. Although I have to imagine that she would find comfort in 
Beyonce releasing Renaissance this many years after Lemonade and the response that it received and how people are still just as enthusiastic as Beyonce now as they were six years ago, as they were 10 years ago, as they were 15 years ago. And I have to imagine that people feel very similarly to Rihanna in the sense of like, holy fuck, like no matter what you make, you will, all you will do is continue to cement yourself as the legend we know you to be. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the Viral Turquoise Tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. There's not a hell of a lot going on in the world of Kardashian this week in terms of the Kardashian recap, but I'm realizing I don't think we ever spoke about this on any of the episodes because we got a DM from someone being like, I must have just missed this conversation on a Kardashian bonus show. I don't think you did. I don't think we had it, which is Kardashian adjacent, Stassi baby confirming her relationship with Jaden Hostler. Not just confirming her relationship, confirming her relationship by posting on Instagram and then additionally confirming the relationship with a picture posted by Tyrell Hampton of them like almost kissing and him choking her a little with the caption, they met on Raya. And then just a couple of days later, giving us some of the best content you'll get in your life, which is Stas, Jaden, Kylie, and the kids at Disneyland. Like what the fuck is Jaden Hostler doing with Kylie and Stormy at Disneyland. 
Well, first of all, just like 10 seconds of context for anyone confused, Jaden Hostler got his start as TikTok. He was one of the sway boys with Josh Richards, Bryce Hall. He was dating a girl by the name of Mads Lewis. They break up. He starts then dating Nessa Barrett, Josh Richards' ex, a whole situation there. And in the process of all of this, he was pursuing a music career and was really taken under the wing of MGK and Travis Barker. And now, you know, he has a pretty successful music career of his own that is very much on the ups. But like the Sway House to Disneyland with Kylie Jenner pipeline is absolutely a wild trajectory. No, you know what is crazy to think about? Like, Stas on Raya matching with Jaden, knowing who he is, kind of, maybe playing down a little bit how much of his content she's seen, and then texting Kylie and being like, can you ask Travis if, like, I should do this? Like, if he thinks this is a good idea? Because, like, I kind of want to match. Like, I kind of think I want to go out with him. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about the Courtney element of it. Right, like Stas, Courtney, Travis Barker, and Kylie in a group chat together, and Kylie being the one to start the group chat, being like, "Trav, should Stas go out with him?" No, I'm I'm absolutely not okay. You know what's going to be crazy? Like Travis and Courtney, Stas and Jaden, and Charlie and Landon all out together, like probably at Disneyland. I mean, the fucking camaraderie that Charlie D'Amelio and Jaden Hostler must be feeling towards one another right now is really something. Like here you guys just start dancing on TikTok and next thing you know, you are deeply ingrained within the Kardashian family and are somehow together on these double dates. And like, by the way, we'll definitely be all together at the Kardashian Christmas party for the second year in the row, Jaden for the first year. Like how are you as Jaden Hostler going to be one of Kylie Jenner's companions for her son's first trip to Disney World? I am sorry. Like, this is so wild. Credit where credit is due. One thing about this episode, we are going to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, we are handing out credit like they're fucking hotcakes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see you in the other room in five minutes. You guys, we're obviously in the same apartment like always, but we're not recording in the same room because we never do but i'm so excited for when we end this episode and what 30 seconds from now and we go into the living room and we're like damn a lot of credit being given out M, my favorite part of recording is the meetup afterwards like i i the whole time that i've been recording i'm like i cannot wait to walk out of this room and rejoice in what we just did so <laughs> we don't spend every single second together well anyway what a ride that episode was. By the way, starting with Chris Appleton and ending with Stoss feels very fitting. That's what I'm here for. That is that is the shit that I live for. They wouldn't believe it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Say it with me, kids. It all comes back to the Kardashians. It all comes back to Chris Appleton. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we love you guys. We will see you later this week for the Kardashian bonus show and for the Bravo episode. And we thank you for listening and for letting us do this and just for letting us have the time of our lives three times a week. We love you. 